0: This is Intersection. I'm Matthew Petty. As you know, mail in ballots have been sent out to millions of Floridians, and if you haven't seen it in your mailbox yet, it'll be there soon. With the election just weeks away, WMFE and WUSF brought together experts last Thursday on a Facebook Live show to answer your questions about mail in ballots. We're going to listen back to that conversation now. Welcome to the state we're in. I'm your host, Matthew Petty. We're glad you're with us tonight, and this page and this show are part of a special collaboration between two NPR stations here in Florida. WUSF in Tampa, and WMFE in Orlando. Now, for the past year, our newsrooms have been covering this monumental presidential election from the I-4 corridor It's one of the most important voting regions in the entire nation. We're spending time focused on how the election affects your life. We've been sharing the facts about voting in the Sunshine State, and tonight we've brought together some experts to answer your questions. As you know, mail-in ballots were sent out to millions of Floridians this week, and if you haven't seen it in your mailbox yet, it will be there soon. So today we're answering your questions about making sure your ballot counts. What questions do you have? Leave us a question in the comments of this live stream and I'll get to as many of those as possible. You can like and follow the State Warrens Facebook page to be notified when we go live and also share this live stream as well. Here with me tonight are Brian Corley and Julie Marcus. They are supervisors of elections in Pasco and Pinellas County, and Joe Burns. He's a reporter with WMFE. Brian, Julie, and Joe, welcome to the
1: show. Thank you, Matt. Thanks
0: for having us. Thank you, Matt. Well, Brian and Julie, I want to start with you both. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do as election supervisors, and Julie, maybe you can kick us off.
1: What we do in a summation is we conduct fair, accurate, and secure elections. That's our job. Our job is to make sure that we provide access to voter registration and ballots, and do everything that we can to get folks um, as part, you know, as part of the process, and make sure that it's conducted fairly. We want to make sure everything is counted, of course, and we want high participation.
0: Brian. This is the sharp end of election season, right? We're into the final weeks leading up to the election. Um, I imagine you're pretty busy. Are you nervous at all, kind of anticipating November, or are you, you fairly calm and collected?
2: You've got everything in place? Surprisingly calm. You know, this whole year, you know, it's, it's 2020, say no more, more, with, you know, looking back to the primary when this the tsunami of a pandemic. We know a whole lot about it, and, I know I speak for my colleague, Julie, when we lost poll workers and polling places, and it was supposed to go away and come back in the fall, uh, COVID-19, and of course it didn't go away, as we know. Um, and so during the primary, it did afford us the opportunity to test out our, our protocols and procedures to make sure we have safe in-person voting. But honestly, with you know, I'm at a point now where nothing would surprise me anymore. I told someone recently that, that if aliens land on I-4, my first thought would be, are they wearing a mask? Are they socially distanced? Uh, <laughs> I'm surprisingly calm. Uh, we're ready. This is what we live for, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I think we have the worst job title because some people here supervisor of elections, it's as Julie alluded to, it's so much more than just election day. It, it, it's a lot behind the scenes, but we're we're under the pressure cooker at election time. That's okay, we can we can handle it. Joe Burns, uh, you
0: reported on mail-in ballots with Steve Newborn from WUSF a few weeks ago, um, looking at some of the do's and don'ts of mail-in voting during the primary election. Uh, what were some of the standouts from the reporting that you and Steve did?
3: Well, you want to make sure that you send your ballot in uh, as early as possible. So you, a lot of people have a standing request with the Supervisor of elections, or they should request them now if they haven't, if they want to vote by mail and then return it as soon as they get it. Fill it out, make sure that you sign the envelope and sign and uh, send it in, um, and sign the right envelope. One of the curious problems that the supervisor of elections in Lake County described to me is kind of where there's two envelopes because it's a husband and wife and the husband uses the wife's envelope and the wife uses the husband's envelope. Send it, obviously it's the wrong signature. And that mm-hmm. causes a problem. And and then um, then there's people who just don't sign the envelope. And that apparently happens a good bit too. Now all these things can be remedied. Uh, and the the supervisors of elections are they reach out to the voter by mail, or if they can, if they can reach out by email or phone, to let them know that they need to cure their uh, do an affidavit to uh, assert that that is their ballot, um, mm-hmm. confirm that it is their ballot. So uh, there's just a number of things that can go wrong. In fact, thousands of vote by mail ballots uh, were rejected for problems like that during the during the primary.
0: Brian, what are some of the kind of classic mistakes that you see uh, year in, year out doing these elections and, and trying to make sure that people's votes are counted?
2: Well, the two biggest ones, and Joe alluded to the one, you. Don't forget to sign it and ironically enough, there's no greater advocate uh, for a voter than a supervisor of elections and, and his or her staff. It was actually the the, the supervisor who had the pleasure of being the chairman of the legislative committee that year in 2013 and advocated for uh, allowing a, a voter who did not sign the ballot to cure it because prior to that, when we received it back with no signature, we couldn't even contact the voter. It was received, deemed cast once we got it. Uh, so the biggest thing we see is no signature, but also you know, signature uh, mismatch, it's not even close. We have multi-level tier reviews and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, this is becoming so, the election itself is becoming polarized and, and political, which is really inappropriate, it shouldn't be. It's not rocket science. You re- we don't send out ballots to just willy-nilly anybody. You request it. It's not affordable. You can track your ballot like an Amazon package and when we get it back, it's going to alert you, the voter, if you didn't sign it or the signature. Is so far off. We do encourage voters to update your signature because of what you have on file. Is when you register to vote in 1974, and then you get we all get older and our and our signatures change. We get health conditions. If it's not even close, you know we have to have we have to balance access and integrity. So we tell mm-hmm. voters is you know you can update your signature as often as you want, but if there's signature variants, we're going to contact as Joe alluded to. We're going to contact the voter, and, and under, under law now they have until two days after election day to simply let us help them. With a cure affidavit. It's, it's that simple. So, uh, And Joe did allude to some ballots being uh, rejected, if you will. It's very important to note that a lot of, of what's been covered in the media references a report by the ACLU and also particularly Dr. Dan Smith at the University of Florida. Uh, unfortunately, the data that Dr. Smith used conflated late return vote by mail ballots. If a ballot comes back at 7 p.m., we can't legally tabulate that, but that doesn't mean it's rejected. That's a totally different uh, ballgame. And so, unfortunately, the data that was used that's now gone all over the country uh, reporting you know, rejection rates in Florida. In my case, half, it was still less than half of 1%, but half of that were simply late ballots. They were not rejected. There's a big difference. So those two right. things, no signature and signature mismatch, were probably two biggest issues.
0: Right. And I guess the takeaway from that, as Joe pointed out, would be uh, make sure if you are mailing in a ballot, get it in as early as you possibly can. Um, Julie Marcus, I wanted to come back to you. Um, your office tweeted out that it mailed out a record number of ballots. Is now mm-hmm. equipped to handle tabulating that number of ballots ahead of election day?
1: Yeah, so what's what It was interesting is when we started educating voters on the you don't need an excuse to vote by mail back in 2007, we had no idea we were actually preparing for the 2020 presidential election cycle amidst a pandemic. So this, uh, w- through all of these years, our voters have been uh, have become accustomed to voting by mail. Uh, for example, in 2008, in the March uh, presidential preference primary, we had 44,000 requests. By 2012 uh, general, we had over 300,000 requests. Uh, so our voters in Pinellas County are used to this process. Again, I've, just as to bounce off of Brian, you know, you, after every election, you reevaluate your envelopes, your instructions, you th- think of ways of how, how can we make this uh, easier for the voters to understand? How can we make sure that voters see this and that return this and so on and so forth. And again, Pinellas County has very low rejection rates also, but our voters have been voting by mail for, you know, good 12 years. And I mean, it, it, prior to that, yes, but what I mean is at the, re- the, t- at the rate that they do now, Mm -hmm. And we're at over 375,000 requests, which is about 53% of the voter (laughs) registration rolls in Pinellas County, which is outstanding. Um, Because obviously in a pandemic, uh, a great way to cast a ballot um, is in the safety, convenience, and comfort of your own home. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: uh, why not? I mean, the election comes to you. It's literally the greatest equalizer is the mail ballot. You don't, it takes so many different variables out of the scenario. All we do is mail you a ballot. You have time. I know that, you know, that it was just stated that you can you return it immediately. But from our perspective as supervisors of elections, you have options. You can return it by mail. And we say, please give it at least one week prior to the election if you're going to return it by mail or you can drop it off at a ballot drop-off location. And so there's different options. And the bottom line is, is that it has to be in our office by 7 p.m. must be received by 7 p.m. election day, November 3rd. That is the hard deadline. And there are a lot of voters who wanna wait till the Monday before the election or on election day itself. That's fine, just make sure that you are not a, a, a nano, past the deadline, okay? Because we want to make sure those ballots count.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm your host, Matthew Petty. My guests are Brian Corley and Julie Marcus. They're supervisors of elections in Pasco and Pinellas counties. also joined by Joe Burns, reporter with WMFE. Joe, you've been kind of sifting through some of the numbers over the last week or so, and there has been pretty high interest in mail-in ballots. What can you tell us about what's going on? In the counties that you've been looking at as far as people who are who are voting that way this year?
3: Right so I I requested information from a number of counties in central Florida uh, about sort of this past primary election and previous elections and I thought it was useful to compare the primary election of 2018 to the primary election of 2020 and what we see is a pretty good increase in vote by mail between those two Mm -hmm. elections especially among Democrats, um, they've just, you know, the, the number of Democrats who are opting to vote by mail dramatically rose um, in Orange County and in uh, Lake County and Sumter County. Those, mm-hmm. those three counties that I was just looking at. Um, and I've seen, like tonight, I, I, I was, uh, before coming here, I was at an event in the villages uh, for Trump supporters, a fundraiser. And so I took that opportunity to ask um, Trump supporters there about vote by mail, because I knew I would be talking with you about it. And there's just a lot of distrust, a lot of distrust of vote by mail in the system that they fear fraud. And that's a message that's coming out from the national campaign, that hmm. um, even though there's the caveat there that, you know, Florida is different, there's still a, a sense of distrust among uh, a lot of those voters. Then after that, Matt, I stopped by uh, and, and spoke with someone at the village's Democratic Club about it, and they have, they have what the, the president of that club described as a massive effort to get uh, uh, Democrats to vote by mail. Uh, so there's a big difference in the in the two parties. I know it's not just the two parties; it's a heck of a lot of independent voters as well. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a, a, a big difference in attitude, uh, but on
0: both sides, an increase in in vote by mail. Indeed. Uh, Brian, just sort of thinking about the trying to bridge that information gap or or get around people's fears of, you know, whether they're uh, legitimate kind of concerns or um, just not understanding how the process works or kind of buying into some of these theories about what happens when people vote by mail and some of the bad things that can happen. What do you do? How do you kind of... How do you get through to people and say, it's okay to do this, here's how Here's how it works, and here's how you can vote by mail safely?
2: Ordinarily, uh, Julie and I would be out, you know, most every night <laughs> speaking to organizations, but that whole stupid pandemic gets in the way of our communications. But we do our best to get the message out. But but honestly, uh, again, to piggyback what, what Joe said, during the primary, uh, we're seeing this statewide where you're seeing a, a very, very heavy tilt in early returns of unofficial returns of uh, the Democrats, far outpacing the Republicans to vote by mail. That's clearly, and I've talked to a good number of voters in my county during early voting in the primary who flat out said, these are Republicans, say, I don't trust it. And and, and when I explained to them, well, no, the president who, who had bashed it for some time is now for it, they didn't believe me. And I actually showed one of them, look, here's the president's tweet right here. And one of them said fake news. I'm like, no, it's the president's official tweet. I say that because there's there's not much we can do at this point in the sense that everyone's in their own little silos, and there's a good uh, amount of the electorate who, who uh, you know, listen to the president respectfully. The president did nothing but bash vote by mail, and I'm not sure how Florida is any, any different than other states. We're not, um, other than we don't have universal – the confusion, I think, is, is not universal mail. We're not saying out to every voter uh, we have to request it. But there's a distrust because of what they've been told over and over from the national campaign. And, uh, you know, ordinarily Republicans outpace Democrats, at least in my county, in vote by mail. Now, what we saw in the primary, and I think we're going to see election day probably statewide uh, in a good swath of the state, you're going to see more in-person Republicans voting because that's what they're being told to do. That's okay. Florida has options. You know, we have vote by mail, early vote election day, but clearly there's not much we can do for the messaging because of, Again, there's those preconceived notions. You're not once someone can, is convinced there's rampant fraud with, with mail ballot, uh, mm-hmm. you you literally can't convince them otherwise. I know, I, I, maybe Julie can because she's smarter than I. But I've tried and I couldn't.
0: Still to come on Intersection, we'll continue the conversation about voting by mail, how to make sure your ballot counts, how to cure a ballot, and much more. We're back in a minute. This is Intersection. I'm Matthew Petty. Let's get back to our conversation with Pinellas and Pasco County election supervisors Julie Marcus and Brian Corley and WMFE reporter Joe Burns recorded from our Facebook live show, The State We're In, last Thursday. I've got a question here from Charlie Fernandez. Charlie, thanks for this question. And the question is, do we have any idea of the local impacts of voting by mail on on mail delivery? Julie, I wonder if you could have a crack at answering that question. Any, Any idea about, you know, what the impact of a the surge in voting by mail might be on voting on mail delivery, or do you, do you not kind of concern yourself too much about that?
1: Well, we had the primary and we mailed out hundreds of thousands of ballots and we had unbelievable return rate on it for a primary election. So we received almost 180,000 ballots back. Um, what I find, so so I don't feel that there's an issue with the postal service. Again, voters have options. So if you don't want to return it by mail, you can return it to a ballot drop-off location. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was very pleased with the uh, turnout of the primary. So if you looked at the 2020 primary versus the 2018 primary, the 2018 had an open seat for U.S. Senate governor and and cabinet seats on both tickets. And in the primary, you didn't have that at all. And yet Pinellas had a 0.22% less voter turnout than in the 2018 primary. That's an unbelievable. So I think that voters, and I attribute that um, consistently through every election that we've conducted general election-wise, primary, um, to voters voting by mail. Vote, when you put a ballot in someone's hand, they statistically are more likely to use it than a voter who votes in person. That's just a fact.
0: Mm-hmm. Joe, I know you did some reporting on this, so I've got a follow-up question here with all the recent issues involving the postal service, how can someone make sure their ballot is counted?
3: Well, I'd like to to say, as I was telling you earlier today, it's trust, but verify. You can verify that your Mm -hmm. uh, ballot has literally been counted. Um, For instance, I'm in Marion County, I live in Ocala. And uh, so my wife and I went, uh, we got our ballots on, uh, mail-in ballot on Saturday. On Sunday, we went to the Supervisors of Elections Office and put it in the drop box. And then um, a few days later, I get a a confirmation from the uh, Supervisors of Elections Office, a text indicating that my ballot has been counted. But You've got to
0: sign up for that text service, right?
3: You do. um, And I did. I uh, went to the site and did it. But if you haven't signed up, you can still check because on all of the supervisors of election site, I'm sure on, on these guys' mm-hmm. sites as well, there's a way where you can look up your, your ballot and see where it is in the process. If it's been, if it's been uh, sent, if it's been received, uh, if it's been uh, counted, it'll indicate all those things and it'll mm-hmm. be red. It, it, it'll highlight if there's a problem and you know then there's instructions on what mm-hmm. you need to do. So even if they haven't called you yet, or sent you a letter yet, or sent you an email, you can check yourself. Um, when I was talking with the, the president of the uh, the Villages Democratic Club today, she, she she said that a lot of her voters are very concerned about whether their ballots being counted. She said one woman uh, uh, put her ballot in on, at noon and then checked back at two, and it still hadn't been counted, and she was really, really concerned that it hadn't been counted yet. But mm-hmm. you can check, and in fact, I urge people to do that. It gives you a sense of comfort that you know that your civic duty has been
2: successfully accomplished. Kind of piggyback real quick off of that. By um, oh, so we have toll toll-free numbers, so sometimes it doesn't have computer access. We have a call center staff, um, but when we look at uh, you know, the post office does a fantastic job. They really do, and the answer to the original question, the volume, you know. I, there's a, there's a great service called um, in, um, Informed Delivery. You can sign up for it. The USPS. I do it myself. I vote by mail um, and myself. And I, Saturday, uh, last Saturday, I got you know a picture of what was coming that day, and there was a picture of well, that's essence, something for me, <laughs> my ballot. But um, the, the the ballots that returned after Election Day, we were doing analysis from the primary, and about 95% of those. Were Were postmarked election day or thereafter. That means the voter put the ballot in their mailbox at say noon on election day, and the Mm -hmm. instructions are very clear about getting it back to us. That's on the postal service. If you mail it, you know, a week before and doesn't get there, that's on them. But the data shows that it was more the voter that has to take some responsibility. They are. Uh, the most important stakeholders. So they have to kind of, you
1: know, And Brian, that's true. In in, in both the 2018 general election, and then we looked at the statistics of the 2020 primary, 86% in the general 2018, 84% of the, uh, of what we saw in the 2020 primary, the ballots that were received late were postmarked on Monday, election day, or after election day. So you know, again, obviously we want every ballot to count. Clearly, every effort is made to educate voters um, on the deadlines. I think that you know folks may get confused, which is why we're having this 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 uh, discussion right now. Is that voters may be confused with other state laws, and um, and the bottom line is, is it has to be in by 7 p.m. election night. Um, for, in order for it to be counted. So please make sure that folks go to the supervisor of elections website of your county to make sure that you know the deadlines, call our office, make sure that you know what you've got to do. There are, there are some level of responsibility on the voter as well as the supervisor, of course, but making sure you know those hard deadlines are crucial to making sure that your ballot is counted.
0: I guess of so Brian Corley and Julie Marcus, supervisors of elections in Pasco and Pinellas counties. Also joined by Joe Burns, reporter with WMFE. Brian, just thinking about the fact that you vote by mail, has your signature ever been rejected? Ever experienced what that's like from a consumer's point of view?
2: I have not, um, and luckily that'd be really awkward. But you know, it's a possibility, I suppose. Uh, I've had consistent chicken scratch since about 1977, so it's it's, it's consistent. But um, yeah, we just again, we encourage everyone to. It, it, it's not a big deal. We, you know, some some of our older voters get really upset when they they, they uh, we contact them or they contact us for a signature variance issue. They get really upset. We tell them it's okay. We're gonna take care of you. We're gonna get make sure your vote counts. And, and the irony is, we've had you know if somebody's uh, boat mail ballot is rejected. After, they, after a multi-tier review process, and they were notified, and they still didn't take the opportunity to cure that ballot up until the second day after Election Day, it goes to the canvassing board. And the canvassing board still can still overrule all the other stuff and say, no, we see it. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but it can. And mm-hmm. then what we do is we notify the voter and, and tell them that their, their ballot was rejected for signature variance. And guess what we do? We include a form for them to update the signature. We've had repeat customers. Well, a voter in 2016, the same thing in 18. It's like, but we gave you the golden cure and you didn't update your signature. So, um, you know, the importance of updating your signature can't be overstated. Well,
0: we've got some questions on that coming in from Veronica. Veronica writes, can we update our signature now? And some subsequent questions too. Which signature is the signature on your envelope compared to, is it your driver's license? Um, Julie, just kind of clarify some of that. For us yeah. if you,
1: you so the law is a little, I think it's, there's two pieces to the law. So the law still exists where it says that to, you can, you have to update your signature before ballots uh, we start canvassing ballots. So for Pinellas County, that's October 14th, but then they also added a cure procedure. So you can cure your signature uh, variants through uh, 5 PM, the um, Thursday after the election. So, Although you there's this update deadline, you still have this cure process, and um, so I think that's I think yes you can right now still update your signature, um, but you can also cure it if there is an issue. So Mm -hmm. what do we compare it to? So we don't take random samplings of signatures that we we verify. We verify every single signature of every ballot that's returned. And what happens is, is that there are a lot of counties that um, have different processes, but in Pinellas, we have a, a mail system that allows for us to uh, take basically a picture of your turn envelope with your signature at the bottom. And then it goes into the voter registration database and is connected to your voter file. And then what happens is that people at their computers can then easily, and they're not handling ballots. And, you know, so it is it, a nice automated process in a sense that a vote, our, our employees and, and and Brian spoke about how there's multi-layers of, of verification. It's the same in Pinellas, but it starts with, here's the, the picture of the return envelope. And then here's the picture of your latest signature that we have on file. And those signatures can come from the um, tax collector's office and, or DHMV, but they're tax collector's offices in Pinellas. Uh, they can come from a voter registration application. And so those are co- then compared. And 9.9% of the time it says, yep, that's a match, except. And then you have the, what Brian um, discussed where it just doesn't match. So I sign my name julie k marcus uh a signature variation does not mean i signed it julie marcus so leaving out the k is not a variation or if i just initialed my first name and did marcus you can see that those signatures match we're talking julie k marcus is signed and completely did that's a signature variation and then that voter is going to be contacted to update that right i'm so-
2: not
1: update. Real, real, the
2: ballot. Quick, real quick, Matthew, uh, you know, Julie's being too humble. Uh, I have to brag about her for a second. Being important, she was involved with in her tenure in Pells County. I know for a fact she, along with her predecessor, advocated for the ability for us to also use a signature from a precinct register, which is maybe more current than your signature from 1978. And she, pers- she personally helped lead the charge on that. So, because of that, to answer the, the viewer's question, you know, to piggyback, we can look at multitudes of signatures. Um, mm-hmm. And so, there's it, it's it's pretty obvious when it's there and when it's not there. To be honest with you. So, and, and just to clarify, though, I mean, it's it's human
0: beings, it's you folks and people who are helping you out, eyeballing each uh, ballot to make sure the signature match. It's not like you're feeding it through a scanner for a robot to look at or something. That's, that's correct.
1: Uh, Pinellas County is ever it's a it's a a person manually looking at the signatures, and then, like I said, there's a tier one review, there's a manager review. Even before we even send out letters, so there's multiple layers uh, before we do signature letters. Or I mean, the no sig is not easy. If there's no signature, that's you send. But the the signature variation, there is a layer, be- layers before it would be even presented to the canvassing board.
0: Mm-hmm. You were talking Julie earlier about signatures, and this kind of ties into a question from a viewer, Sav Gibbs, who writes. What does it mean to cure a ballot? And are there other things I need to know if my ballot is challenged and I want to make sure it counts? So um, just to clarify again, curing a ballot means what specifically? Okay, so
1: to cure a ballot means that Florida law says that, hey, if if the supervisor of elections office feels that your signature does not match, and we already do, we just went through some examples of what we mean by not match, then we are required to mail a letter, which a lot of super keep in mind, we a lot of supervisors have been doing this for years, but it, to, to allow for consistency across the state, some laws changed in 2019. So first is the letter that gets sent to voters, and keep in mind, once you start getting close to election um, day or the day before, we it, the mailing letter is never going to get to the voter. So now we're relying upon uh, you need to text, you have to by law um, email, and you have to call. But if we don't have any of those, that any of that information, then we can't do any of those things, and we're relying on just the form of mailing. And so, to cure it means that you would have you have an affidavit that's prescribed by law, and in the statute it provides for a number of different types of identification that you have to make a copy of. So you're going to sign this affidavit saying, yes, that was my ballot. Here's a copy of one of the forms of ID I can include with the affidavit. Obviously, there's a return envelope, prepaid turn envelope that you package that up and send that off to us. And that would be curing your ballot. And you can do that for signature variations or no SIGs
0: couple more questions from some listeners here Jude McCormick writes and I live in Tampa are there locations where I can actually drop my ballot off
1: Every early voting site in Hillsborough County is a ballot drop-off location.
0: Mhm. And and similar elsewhere I mean places where people can drop off ballots you know, in your ju- jurisdiction as well.
2: Yeah, it's now it's mandated by statute that early voting you secure drop boxes but the irony was that was actually passed before the pandemic and mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons that it be, it be so successful in being utilized, we didn't want voters who were concerned about their ballot getting back to us, having to go into a, an area where there's other people line to vote, for example, like cause that was the ordinary kind of the old school procedure. So now you can drive right up and uh, and, and deposit your, your, your vote by mail ballot. So yeah, it's at every early voting site at a minimum. I know some counties have, um, you know, like an Alton office site, whatever, but yeah, it, it's a great way. Most people, you know, live around the corner from most early voting sites is not far. You just remember mm-hmm. that you cannot turn it into your election day polling place. Um, that's always a concern. If you want to turn it to be, to be to be voted, you can't do that. You can surrender it. Sometimes people get a ballot for whatever reason, um, you know, they, they decide they don't want to vote that way. They have a right. Uh, we encourage them, to, if they're going to do that, to bring it into the early voting site or election day polling place, surrender it, and then they can be issued uh, an election day early voting ballot. Is that the same thing as a provisional ballot? No. Provisional ballot is the ultimate safety valve. Voters are never turned away. If someone shows up, and they, the most common reason is uh, they forget their ID. You know, it's 645, and you realize you can't get home and get back with your, your driver's license? No worries. We got you covered. Voters are never turned away, and if you're eligible, it can't be determined. If you're adamant, I don't care what your computer says, I'm a voter, uh, that's fine. You, you always have the legal right to do a provisional ballot. It doesn't get put through the tabulator. It gets sealed and brought back to our offices, and uh, you have two days after Election Day to, to prove why it should count. I, don't, I can't speak for Julie, but rarely do we – I think you've had five people in my 14 years. We actually do the research for the voter. Uh, if, if it's no ID, for example, we find you, and signature matches. It kind of reverts back to like a vote-by-mail concept. The signature matches, you're fine. Uh, now you can even cure a signature mismatch in a provisional. So we do the research, and then uh, the earliest could be – Thursday at five o'clock, the Canvas board would, re- would review those and make an adjudication if a ballot should be tabulated or not.
1: And mm-hmm. I I want to say something about provisionals because I think that it it gets a bad rap. It's been stained for some reason. And to me, the best thing that came out of two thousand was the Florida uh, Reform Act, and it included the provisional ballot. And the provisional ballot was then adopted by the Help America Vote Act of 2002, which made it something that existed nationwide. And I wanna explain why a provisional ballot, like the safety veil concept that Brian spoke of, why it is so important to the process. Because prior to this existing, if you walked into a polling place and you said, hey, I'm here to vote, and we couldn't find you in the, in the precinct registers, then that was it, you had to go home. Provisional ballot, I walk in now, and let's say we can't find you, which could have been an office error. It could be any, there could be reasons why. But what the safety net is, is that that voter gets to vote that conditional provisional ballot, gets put in the envelope, it comes back to our office, our office can research it and say, oh, this was a ballot, you know, a voter that was, you know, whatever the scenario is, and we can then count that voter's ballot. And prior to, provisionals that couldn't have happened. And so what I think happens is is that we have unfortunate, we look at what is rejected versus what is counted. And because the provisional ballot exists, we are able to count ballots that wouldn't have been otherwise counted had there not been for this ballot. And the ones that are rejected, legally, those people were not eligible to participate in the election. And that is why provisional ballots are so important, because votes that should be counted are, and ones that shouldn't be counted are not.
0: Still to come on Intersection, what do official poll watchers do, and how do supervisors of elections tackle security at the polling stations? All that and much more when we return. This is Intersection. I'm Matthew Petty. You're listening to a recording of our Facebook Live show, The State We're In. We talked to Pinellas County Supervisor of Elections, Julie Marcus, Pasco County Supervisor of Elections, Brian Cauley, and WMFE reporter, Joe Burns. Let's get back to that conversation. There's also been a push from a lot of organisations this year to try and increase voter access, and, and one thing we've heard is that uh, organisations like the NBA, for example, have uh, said they'll open up arenas for early voting. I wonder if you have some thoughts on this question from Jorge Vasquez here. I heard from a friend that the Amway Centre will open for early voting this month. Is this true? What are you hearing about that, Joe?
3: The answer is yes. Uh, It's going to be an early voting site from October 19th to November
0: 1st. Well, There you go. Um, Thanks for that question, Jorge. So there has been talk of this election day possibly becoming election week or even election month because of the number of mail-in ballots that will be cast this year. Uh, Joe, what are you hearing about that? I mean, how likely is that, if at all?
3: Well, as these guys know, that's not going to happen in Florida. You know, Florida has gotten a reputation for uh, being a mess after Election Day. Uh, I mean, you can look back just to 2018. You don't have to go back as far as 2000, which was the ultimate mess. But there have been some changes. And one of the changes that was made, I believe, in 2019, was to let the supervisors of elections actually count the mail-in ballots before election day they can't they can't tell you what they got but they, they count them and uh, then on election day that probably the first numbers to put up or to be put up are the, the the mail-in ballots that have been counted so far so mm-hmm. Florida's not going to have that problem it's, if, if it has a problem, you know Florida's good at finding problems but if it has a problem it's probably not going to be that
2: one everyone quite frankly in America and Florida need to take a giant chill pill. Elections are like Thanksgiving. It's not over after the turkey. You have you have like leftovers and, and to watch football and dessert, et cetera. It's never over on election night. It was never, it never was. We still have the provisional ballots. We have the, the vote by mail ballots that were dropped off on election day. We have those to be cured. So the earliest this election could be certified in Florida is going to be November 13th. Let's not forget um, you, in the background is a picture of me hugging my daughter before and after boot camp. She serves in the United States Navy on a guided missile destroyer. The Sarah Corleys of the world and other men and women in the military and overseas voters get ten days to get their ballot back. So, and, and let me just let me just get this off my chest because it's been eating away at me. Our colleagues, Julie and I, our colleagues in, in, in multiple states, but I can't help but think of the battleground states of Pennsylvania and, and Michigan. The, the narrative is going to be. It's going to take them days, maybe a week to count the ballots. What's the delay? They are not allowed to start counting the ballots until election day. And shame on those state legislatures. Shame on them because they're setting up our colleagues for failure. Julie and I and our, our 65 colleagues in Florida, we, we will have the ballots ready to go. And, and Joe's right. We, 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 we hit some buttons and we're able to show the early voting totals and the vote by mail. Well, we won't be done. There'll be a whole bunch that'll be well into the morning, but we'll, we'll have it handled in Florida. But I just it's, it's watching it politics hijack election administration. It shouldn't be that way. The politics should be left up to the politicians and the candidates and the voters it should not involve the actual how we do elections. Sorry, I had to get off my chest. I feel better, thank you.
0: Julie, I know you had some thoughts on on this whole thing as yeah,
1: well. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's I think Brian encapsulated it nicely, but I, basically what you need to, what, what, how it works is that we like in Pinellas County, we're gonna start tabulating our counting mail ballots on October 14th and we will continue to do that and uh, on election day you are still getting mail ballots because people like I said will hold on to those ballots because they want to make sure that you know that, that nothing happens with the candidates or they know what all the deal is whatever whatever the reasons are they they want to drop them off on election day so you have our three offices Uh, During the entire day, we have couriers bringing those ballots back to our main um, um, election service center so that we're tabulating those ballots throughout the day. But you still have until 7 p.m. election night to return those mail ballots. Now, what happens on election day is you have the process that's been taking place for weeks where we've been verifying signatures and we've been doing all of these procedures now has to be done in single day and then at the end of the day in a matter of hours and so the bottom line is is that i think we have to have some level of expectation i mean you have uh you have counties like miami dade that have 1.4 million registered voters and like they have half of their people voting by mail you know what i mean so the expectation that like on election day that miami dade's not going to be into wednesday in the morning you know what i mean meaning like the wee hours of the morning including Pinellas, we need to have that level of expectation. So at 703, 705, most counties are going to push out every mail ballot that was counted up until probably about six-ish. Would you agree, Brian? About six. And then every ballot that was cast in-person early voting, which probably for this election will account for probably 80, 75, 80% of the votes in a county. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hoping anyway so we have you know what i mean because we obviously if you're going to mail ballots to folks you're going want folks to use them so we're hoping we get at least an 80 to 90 percent return rate on our mail ballots so that's a that's most of the vote is already out there and then you have everybody at the polling places has seven o'clock so if you're in line at seven o'clock and please Every single presidential election and gubernatorial election, I've been doing this for 17 years, we have had lines. We've had lines at early voting sites. We have had lines on election day, and this is nothing new. That is a healthy representative democracy when you see lines. So we're going to have lines at 7 PM on election night, and that last voter gets to vote. We have a two-card ballot. One's front and back, and the other one is all questions. It could take that voter a long time to get through that process, and we can't close the polls on that scanner to modem election results until that last voter leaves. So you may have some polling places where voters haven't left till 7:45, 8 o'clock. And now we can close the polls at those locations. But throughout the night, as our, our, our polling places are modeming in, we'll start, we'll upload those to the website. And then when you see 100% reporting, that means that all of our polling places have reported in. Hopefully you don't have any issues with modems. If you do, it just always seems to be like the most, I don't know, Brian, if you can have experienced this, it always feels like this, that it's, of course, the the modem that's furthest away from your office. And so you have to wait for that one to come in. That's... It happens. All, it happens. You know what I mean. It just something comes up and it doesn't modem. So now you have to bring it in, and that's how you uh, upload the results to the website. And then of course you're going to have that bucket of mail ballots that you're getting toward the end of the day, up till 7 p.m. That will be added in the wee hours of Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning. Meaning, so I know that we still have provisionals. You still have cures, and you have the 10-day overseas. But I think for if you look unless we're literally down to a 2000 concept uh w- florida has the results out and and that's because florida statutes have really really tight deadlines as to when you have to complete um the processes mm-hmm. so where other states for example this one always gets me like you know california's decided and you know you have these states that are very blue or red where uh, florida's purple So everybody's just sitting there watching Florida's and Ohio's and Pennsylvania's, but like uh, California has 30 days to process their provisional ballots for a general election in Pinellas or across the state of Florida. I'm sorry. We have to have those provisionals reported to the state as part of our unofficial results by noon on Saturday after the election. So it's extremely tight deadlines where other states who, you know, just go up as red or blue, Florida, uh, always everybody seems to think that we don't have it together when really we just are trying to get it done and we have really tight deadlines.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm Matthew Petty. I'm your host. You're watching The State We're In. We're talking about mail ballots with Brian Coley and Julie Marcus, the Supervisors of Elections in Pasco and Pinellas County. We are also joined by Joe Burns, reporter at WMFE. Um, Question coming in from David Bryant, and that is, are the supervisors prepared for security? I worry that the Proud Boys and other far-right groups will try and intimidate voters and the polls on election day and at early voting sites. What are you doing to build confidence in the process?
2: Well, Brian, thoughts on that? An easy one. Um, It's not going to be tolerated. In Florida statute 102.031, it's very clear. We have we have uh, maintenance in order of the polls. We have poll deputies who are deputized by both the supervisor elections as well as, uh, as the sheriff's office. They are the eyes and the ears, and they are they they maintain under Florida law an entrance to a polling place or an early voting site. 150 feet from that entrance is a no solicitation zone. So there's a buffer and it's a radius around a polling place. So there'll be no harassment of voters. And Florida law is very clear. If someone is being disruptive, uh, then We'll, we'll involve law enforcement if, if necessary. We're not going to have, you know, gangs showing up of, of people, Proud boys or whatever. Just, it's just not going to happen. And if they do, I think I speak for everyone of my colleagues. It's very simple. We work with it. We work, we partner with the sheriff's office. I don't know in Pasco. I, I do I can't speak for Julie, but we have the sheriff's usually a sergeant or lieutenant embedded with us at our election state command center. And so mm-hmm. we're continually monitoring each polling place. And it's a simple, you know, a simple call to us, and uh, we'll get a deputy out there, dis- a sheriff's deputy dispatched, to handle the situation. So th- th- we want the biggest headache and worry for the voters to figure out who they're going to vote for when they show up. The rest of it will take care of itself, and so I'm not worried about security. It's nothing new to us, and we're going to make sure that there's a safe and secure environment, as we have as we have in the past.
0: Another question from a a viewer, and this is kind of similar. I'm going to throw this to you, Julie, but Sam in St. Petersburg writes in, on Tuesday night, the occupant of the White House told the nation, I'm urging my supporters to go into the polls and watch very carefully because that's what has to happen. I'm urging them to do it. Please describe the arrangements that must be made to guarantee voter safety in a normal circumstance. And are there contingencies in place for a time when heightened security might be necessary? What circumstances must be reached for that enhanced protection to kick in? So... Do you have kind of contingency plan if things start to get a bit hairy?
1: Yeah, I I don't know what, uh, I'm sorry, the reference to the poll watchers. So, I mean, that is something that's allowed by law. So uh, parties and candidates can uh, designate poll watchers to be inside polling places. That's a very um, specific outlet. The statute specifically outlines the criteria for that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but I echo what um, Brian said in regard to security. Obviously, I'm not going to go into details of, of what we do to secure our polling places. But in addition to Chapter 102, there's a lot of statutes in 104, which provide for intimidation, uh, preventing somebody from, from voting, uh, casting a ballot that you know you are not eligible to vote uh, cast, including a provisional ballot. Um, so all of those are third degree felonies. And um, again, our job is to is to ensure that our voters have a positive voting experience and um, we'll take the necessary action to maintain order at the polls, as Brian um, discussed earlier.
2: Let me just, if I could real quick, uh, Peggy, no. uh, Julie said it best, we like poll watchers. Transparency is important to the process. Mm-hmm. As Julie said, poll watchers are there legally, and, and, and they can't just show up, as, as the president alluded to or, or said. They have to be put in, and there's a, there's a deadline before election day or early voting. And if they're an of the county, then, then we sign off and approve them, and they're given credentials. and they're, But they're, they're not allowed to interact with voters or cause a disruption. We will immediately remove them if that's the case. But, like, for example, the what was referenced in Philadelphia simply wasn't true. There was not voting going on. It was in the middle of the, the office where individuals were just showing up. That's different. Florida voters need to know poll watchers are actually a good thing for oversight. We, we have no issue with them and we welcome them. They are there and they're, they're professional. We've had them forever. That's different than people just showing up thinking they can just come in and you know, Hey, what's going on? That's not going to end well for them. If they believe someone thinks they're going to do that in my County or Pinellas or others, it's not going to end well for them. I assure you.
0: Joe, I wonder um, if you're kind of getting any sense from voters that you've spoken and you've done, uh, recently about concerns of, of those kinds around what might happen on election day at polling places?
3: I haven't heard concerns from people about that in particular. The mm-hmm. concerns I've had have had more to do with whether my vote's going to get counted mm-hmm. and whether there's fraud and somehow you know, bad ballots are being sent in and things like that, which I know, as we've heard, that uh, there are a lot of safeguards against that.
0: Well, I'm your host, Matthew Petty, and you've been watching the state we're in. My guests are Julie Marcus, Supervisor of Elections in Alice County. Julie, thank you so much for your time.
1: Very welcome. Thanks for having us. Again, appreciate you getting out this good information so that we can uh, get through all of the weeds so that voters have um, what they need to cast a ballot in this election.
0: We're also joined by Brian Cawley. He's the Supervisor of Elections in Pasco County. Brian, thank you as well. Thank you. My pleasure, Matthew. And Joe Burns, our reporter, With WMFE in the villages, Joe, thank you as well. Thank you, and what a pleasure to be on with these guys. Thank you, Joe. That was recorded from our Facebook live show, The State We're In, produced in partnership with America Amplified. America Amplified is an initiative from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting using community engagement to inform local journalism. Be sure to mark Monday, October 19th in your calendar. We'll be back with another live discussion on The State We're In. Focused on college age voters and the issues important to that population. It's sure to be a great conversation, so join us on our Facebook page. Support for Intersection comes from Advent Health and from our listeners. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.